just don't know about all the meta stuff, you know? I mean, a movie, talking about a movie within a movie, it's just confusing. You're just not ready for prime time, kid. Hello, I'm here for a viewer store clerk position. Name? Hong Fan. Ever committed a felony? No. Legal at work in the U.S.? Yes. Reliable form of transportation? Yes. High school GED or equivalent? Yes. Have you ever suffered the untimely and crushing loss of a loved one? No. Nancy Thompson or Laurie Strode? Laurie. Leprechaun in space or Leprechaun in the hood? Space, I guess. Better sequel, Troll 2 or Halloween 3? Nine followed the Fisher Cannon. So nine or Fisher Sequel, sir. Have you ever had a best friend? You gotta help me. I need your help, okay? You have to help me. What's up, man? Are you hurt? I'm dangerous. You gotta lock me up or tie me up because I'm gonna change. Throw over. We beg because society says we should be softer, gentler. We heal to be good boys. We obey when we hear the silent whistle of emasculation. The muzzle of oppression is keeping us from being who we were meant to be. We're gonna take it back. We're gonna attack. Break right from the judgment. Hello? I'm wondering about a piece of candy that we got at your, your store. Tell her I'm sorry. Greg? Daisy, he's dead. Now have sex with me! <laughs> you don't have to do this. I, I have so much to do. I have so much to do. You people want to live? Come with me. Joe. Scare Package is like this beautiful love letter to old school horror and the typical tropes. And it's so self-aware. It's very well delivered. Uh, and quite frankly, uh, and I know that this isn't a popular opinion necessarily, I'm not a huge fan of anthologies. And I think this one was really well curated. Like I think Aaron Kuntz, who directed it and, and sort of pulled all the pieces yeah. together, really did a fantastic job. So yeah, this one's just a joyous trip for anyone who loves horror, for sure. Especially the ones who grew up like in the you know, 70s, like I grew up watching the 70s and 80s horror films, right? So this one just really spoke to me when I saw it because I got all the references. For me, it was really fresh. I loved it. So yeah, so it was a, it was a no-brainer for us to pick this one. Hello and welcome back to Scream Addicts. I'm Jinx, your host, and that was Lisa Oviers and Kevin Mosley talking about the 2020 horror anthology Scare Package. Ms. Oviers is an actor, producer, and director known for the upcoming horror film Puppet Killer, which looks like an absolute blast. I've seen the trailer and I cannot wait to see the movie. In addition, she owns the acting school Rogue Studios, and she is joined today, as I noted, by Puppet Killer screenwriter Kevin Mosley. Ms. Oviers, Mr. Mosley, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks My for having us. Yeah. Sure thing. Now, as with every episode, I'll ask, I know we touched on it a bit already, but out of any horror movie you might have chosen, any at all, why go with Scare Package? Um, honestly, a couple reasons. I mean, me and Kevin both love a lot of the same horror. We're both really strongly influenced by old school horror, practical effects. But I figured if that's sort of the vein that you always go through, those ones might have been overdone. Uh, and I thought it might be nice to bring uh, a bit of awareness to a newer, independent, fantastic film that just hit. Uh, I mean, it just came on Shutter, I think, three weeks ago. And it's really good. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is, uh, you know, it's a bit of a treat whenever a guest actually picks somewhat of a newer movie. And it hasn't happened all that often with the show, as you as you noted. Like, generally, guests tend to go with the classics or movies yeah. that mean a lot to them because yeah. they grew up with them. So, you know, uh, it, it, it's always nice when, say, Tanana Reeve chooses Get Out. Uh, yeah. or well, also, it had, you know, when we, when we saw uh, Scare Packages, you know, it actually has, you know, because Puppet Killer is, is also a homage to sort of 80s horror so, you know, they actually would make a great double feature. Absolutely. Yeah, that is the one thing. Like in the in the first, I will say the the cold open, which is actually, I believe, called cold yeah. open. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't immediately signal that it's necessarily, you know, the film is an 80s throwback. But the moment you get to the title sequence and from that point mm. forward, it feels like the entire movie is kind of like one great big love letter to the eight. And, and I will say this too, like I watched the movie earlier today in advance of this conversation. I've been walking around my apartment all damn day humming that theme music. The composer just did such a great job of taking us to the eighties and oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. good. Why well, I, you know, I, for, you know, we're from the generation who used to walk into video stores and have to rent our horror movies. So, you know, I miss that, you know, like walking and seeing all the covers and, you know, that kind of that feeling of, Ooh, yeah, that one's like, you know, you see the, the cover art and, you know, it was that, it really, you know, goes back to that time where, you know, that whole nostalgia of going into a video store. I love the whole setup of the video store clerk and, you know, how he, you know, his job and all that stuff. Like it just brought me back to that whole era, which was awesome for me. You know, and it kind of bums me out too. Like anytime I see a, a video store portrayed in the movie, like especially, yeah. you know, a, a newer film that's kind of like looking mm-hmm. back. I, you know, I'm always giddy at it, but at the same time, it's kind of like a melancholy feeling because I miss them so much. Yeah. And there was such a, you know, a major part of my childhood and sort of, uh, you know, ushering along this burgeoning film fan. And, you know, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. I, I was born in 81. I grew up with VHS stores, like, or video stores, <laughs> you know, the mom and pops, the blockbusters, the video updates and movie galleries. And, you know, I, I, I think there was probably this feeling that I had that they would always be there. And now, you know, I'm looking at the current generation and I, I feel bad for them for not yeah. having that sort of communal place. You know, every Friday or Saturday, oh, you go with your friends, you browse yeah. the titles, you rifle through yeah. the VHS tapes and see what you want to buy. And That's right. we, rent, we, <laughs> we rented Faces of Death. <laughs> you know, I've avoided that to this very day. <laughs> so have I. <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't do it. I am still like, whenever oh. I hear that title, I, I am my inner seven-year-old being terrorized yeah. by my horror-loving cousins before I was a fan myself. You know, I just go right back to those conversations where they're trying to describe it all to me. And I'm thinking, again, at like six or seven, being like, why would I watch that? Why would I? Why my, would my, I my, dad, my dad caught us watching it. He lost his shit. It was <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't. Um, I, I haven't gotten to the point where I can do it. I can watch anything. I think probably the... Uh, the hardest movie that I've seen up until this point, I, listeners, and even uh, YouTube might might laugh at me for this, but like, you know, the the French New Wave, like the extremist run that they had, uh, you oh, know, yeah. some of those movies, like Martyrs, I, Martyrs. I beautiful yeah, and brilliant. Inside. And In, oh my God, Inside. Um, but pro- like, and this certainly isn't a part of that run, but it feels almost like inspired or born from it. But um, mm-hmm. the the toughest movie I've ever seen, and being honest, probably the toughest movie I ever want to see is a Serbian film. Like I just oh, have you seen it? <laughs> oh, like I that that's a tough one. So, but even then, like you know, so I can watch that movie and be like, okay, 
I'm never yeah. watching this again, but I can handle it. <laughs> but in the back of my mind, there's something like when I hear Faces of Death, I'm just kind of like, uh-uh, can't do it. No, no. no yeah, no, but you no. know, but it, it's just about that whole idea of going into the video store. Like, you know, like all the, what was it? A Gorgon video who I think released Faces of Death. And then, you know, there was a Vestron and, you know, all these companies that were like releasing all these, you know, horror films on VHS and all that stuff back in the day, you know, and a lot of them you can't even find anymore, you know? So a lot of them, you know, didn't get any digital release. whenever we go to a film festival together we're like children because there's usually some sort of a a video store some sort of a (laughs) you know like a halloween throwback horror (laughs) section where you can buy and like the two of us will scream at each other like children like i think the last one we went to i found friday the 13th on vhs or i think kevin found it and like handed it to me because i was squealing about it or something (laughs) we just get so excited when we find the old school things i know right That takes me right back to being a kid. I, uh, you know, it's funny. I, in the heyday of like VHS, I think it was probably the late 80s, early 90s when I really started getting, uh, maybe it was around actually, it was closer to the mid 90s, in fact, when I really started getting into horror movies. But I was surrounded by all these mom and pop video stores that kind of had piecemeal collections. And the the first time a major chain went in close to me in, uh, you know, a little small town in Ohio, uh, it was like a video update. And they had they had all, they had foreign films. They had uh, like these you know classics. They had fifty copies of every brand new release. But the one thing that they didn't have were all of the essential key horror movies. Their horror section was pitiful. And I happened to cross uh, a friend of mine at school pointed me out to this place called the Movie House, uh, which was like uh, you know on a darkened street, uh, <laughs> always in shadow, yeah, and down the back alley, sweet. Exactly. And it was an actual house. Somebody had just hollowed out the living room and they put shelving <laughs> up on their walls. You awesome. Their front door. And I kid you not, like it was, uh, there was a small classic section. There was a small action section. There was a small drama section. There were a couple of shelves devoted to new releases. And there was a massive wall and a half of nothing but every horror franchise, every horror it movie you could possibly like this ideal VHS speakeasy that I want to like. If they had served like it. shots of booze, I think the place would have been perfect. But Oh, wow. <laughs> I miss it. Uh, sorry, random tangent, but hey, that's yeah. that's the show in a nutshell. But no, I, I feel you on that. And I, I got to say, I'm deeply jealous of you both for having ever been to even a single film festival because I have not and I've always wanted to go. And now I'm, you know, we're stuck in a pandemic and it's kind of like, you know, oh being in the God, middle of an illness where you're like, am I ever going to get well again? That's what it feels like this pandemic. Like, is this ever going to end? Yeah. So many things I want to do. I'm making a list and near the top is go to a damned horror film festival. Oh, so- they're fun. I don't know a lot about Ohio, um, but Columbus. Well, no, I've been to, I've been to Ohio. Uh, I just don't know geography wise as far as like where you are compared to where Columbus is. Columbus is home to Nightmares Film Festival. It is called the Con of Film Fest of Horror Film Festival. That's at the Gateway, I think. Yeah, it's at the Gateway. I love the Gateway. Right beside this fantastic Mexican restaurant, I may or may not have yep. lived that while I was there. <laughs> fantastic margaritas there. I probably ate there every day. It was ridiculous. Um, I would, yeah. I mean, nightmares is fantastic. Jason Tostevin, I probably said his last name wrong, and uh, everyone that runs it is just—it it really is. It's one of the greatest film experiences I've had at a festival. So, if you're going to hit a horror one, I think nightmares is the way to go. 
I'm sorry to say I'm actually, for any number of reasons, I'm actually in Florida now, but uh, I lived exactly two hours south of Columbus and I would make the trip up often to hit the gateway. And there's another great theater up there called the Drexel, which is uh, worth checking out. But I just I, like the name of it because it reminds me of Drexel from True Romance. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture Gary Oldman's face on the front and I'm like, yeah, I'm going in. I'm going in. I might not come back out, but I'm going in. I, I feel like they should have a guy at the door with like the, looking like Gary Oldman with the dreads just greeting and me. That, you know? And that freaking eyeball. Oh, Offering so you egg rolls as you walk through yeah. the front door. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm sure there's great horror film festivals in Florida. I have never been to a film festival in Florida. I know we played at a few. Really? Is yeah, I was going to ask, like, Puppet Killer, it actually played the, it's been uh, making the festival rounds, uh, oh, yeah. I believe, and yeah. I can't wait to actually see the movie. Like, is it, uh, I was going to ask, I did a bit of research, is there any sort of news on, like, potential release date? Almost. Um, yeah. yeah, we were really lucky. I mean, and I need to remind myself of that, because we're in a pandemic, and it's easy to get pouty, because you know, our festival run was cut short and obviously we were on cloud nine um, and, you know, we were going to play Brussels and all over and all these things got canceled, but we got four months in and I think we played seven continents or something. It was absolutely insane. How many festivals did we play? I don't know how many festivals we ended up playing. Yeah. I literally lost track. I know. uh, Out of gratitude. But, um, so we did get it. We, we sold the film. We're working with a fantastic distributor and obviously pre COVID plans were different. So it's really hard for us to say exactly what's going to happen, but I would say within a month, there's going to be some pretty cool word out about what's yeah. going on. And we are, you know, fingers crossed, low expectations because theaters don't really exist in a lot of places. We, anymore. Just, we, we were just uh, screened a few weeks back in Romford film fest outside of the, uh, in the UK. So that yeah. was our, that was our first festival since, uh, you know, COVID hit. Yeah, we did. Um, we did actually a couple. We did Crimson yeah. Dreams where we won Best Visual Effects. Actually, that was out of the States. And then we played Italy last weekend as well. So yeah. things are opening up a little bit, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm still, you know, I, my favorite pastime is going to a movie theater and just being transported for two hours. Like my, my days off are devoted to writing and going to the theater and hanging out with friends is for the weekend. But like, you know, the day off in the middle of the week that I usually had, I was at my local AMC, which is five minutes away. Uh, And they always had, you know, like a great collection of movies. Sometimes I would do like triple features. I miss doing that so much but i gotta say like there is no way i'm stepping back inside of the theater before yeah. you know i have a vaccine coursing through my system yeah. it's funny like as we record this i think uh, maybe what was it 12 hours ago sony premiered the uh the new james bond trailer and wow. which looked great and then at the very end you get to the end title card and it says november and i'm just looking at it like not for me <laughs> Not for me, it's not. Like, I, this is going to be the first Bond movie I miss, you know, that not seeing on the big screen in, like, 20 years. But, you know, I, I'm i just wondering, do you, as filmmakers, do you have any sort of lingering concerns about what the ultimate fallout is going to be from this pandemic? I mean, obviously, you know, you have AMC, you have uh, Cinemark, uh, I'm sure Regal, any number of major chains are, you know, obviously fighting the good fight and they're trying to stay open. And obviously, you know, it sounds like the festival uh, circuit has been somewhat hurt. I know that some mom and pops have closed down. I actually, a good friend of mine runs a mom and pop up in uh, Eastern Kentucky and they're still, they're still kicking. But do you, what do you make of everything in the moment that we're in right now? Do you have any major concerns or do you think ultimately that everything will bounce back? 
I mean, I, I think we all have our concerns for sure. But, you know, I always keep reminding myself that, you know, people love going to a movie theater and seeing movies on the big screen. We do as a society, as a you know human race. I mean, we've been going to movies for, you know, a long time, you know, pandemic, you know, I mean, so I'm hopeful that, you know, we'll get back into the theaters, but I'm also concerned, you know, the longer we sort of go on like this, that, you know, a lot of them aren't going to sort of survive and we're going to move really into more of the streaming end of things, um, which, you know, it, it, if that's the, how it is and that's what we have to do. But I mean, I've always been, you know, I love seeing movies on the big screen and, and uh, you know, I'm hoping that uh, it will bounce back for sure. I'm really concerned. Uh, I think a lot of those, the independent theaters, those one screen, two screen, yeah. old school buildings with the real culture, the real feel, the heritage, um, yeah. for the experience of being there, but also for the people that have put their souls into it. Um, I think a lot actually about Adam who runs uh, Panic Fest yeah. in Kansas City, who owns mm -hmm. Armor Theater and yeah. all of these humans that just have such beautiful, artistic supportive venues um you know they are starting to shut down and i think that's going to change some of the some of the feel and i and i do think that some of the bigger changes potentially will hold on and it's really hard to say how long this will last but my biggest fear i think through all of this is the the reprogramming of what people think the movie experience should be like so in the sense that if you continue to stream at home if you continue to watch in your pajamas and not have to leave and get to uber eats your mcdonald's it's yeah. gonna start to feel for some people like that's the new movie experience and they're gonna be less inclined to go out and remember what it was like to have 5.1 sound what it was like to see it for what it was meant to be yeah, with a big audience watching a horror movie you know that's the thing for me too as a filmmaker is there's something different about watching it with an audience and i think some people that maybe aren't in film don't realize that and so if they're watching it at home for the first time and they're not laughing as much as they would have or it doesn't give them the same jump scares and feelings they may not know, oh, well, it's because I watched it at 4.30 in the afternoon and the lights are still on, so it's not really dark and I didn't get the shadowing contrast of that and I didn't see this or, you know, yeah. there's something about that infectious laughter like that yeah. happens in a theater. And so my fear is that there's going to be a 50-50 between people that are just dying to get back and people that get a little complacent in their home viewing yeah. schedule and they go, yeah, but for 10 bucks a month, I've got Shutter, you know, and I get that. But um, I think that's my biggest fear. Is and also, too, like, you know, you look at families who, you know, who go to the theater, you know, you know, any, you know, you're, you're looking at like over a hundred bucks to take a family, a babysitter, gas, food, all that stuff, right? Um, whereas if they can, you know, buy a movie off streaming for whatever, uh, 30 bucks or whatever they're going to charge, you know, that's still, you know, so, so for a family, they're going to be like, well, I'm just going to stay home. It's going to cost me 30 bucks for the whole family to see the film on the big screen. Um, you know, so I, I definitely see some real shifts happening. Um, but like Lisa was saying, I think that, you know, there's, yeah, there's going to be people who are just going to say, you know what, I'm, I'm happy to be at home. I don't need to go out. I'm still freaked out from getting, you know, sick or whatever. And, uh, then there's going to be people like myself who, yeah, I know I will go back to the theater when it's open for sure. I um, would love to, like, I actually was talking to someone and this is very self-indulgent, but, um, I can't remember. Oh, I, I, I was talking to Corey, uh, who's the director of Willa, a really great Canadian adaptation of a Stephen King film. 
and we just were talking about theaters and all of a sudden it dawned on me that I may never watch Puppet Killer in a theater with an audience again. And I almost cried because it's just so beautiful to hear and feel everyone reacting to something you've created. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously I hope to make more films, but yeah, I think there's just a real loss right now. Yeah. And uncertainty too, because, you know, we, we don't know, you know, a little bit. So we just sort of have to see, time will tell. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I I have concerns too, and for for all of the reasons that you mentioned, certainly. So, I you know I I can try and be optimistic and keep my fingers crossed, but you know yeah. who knows. But I will say I know exactly what you're talking about. How you know I, that communal experience does heighten, you know, especially genre movies, especially horror movies, especially comedies. Where, well, for example, I was uh, I was watching Scare Package by myself today, and there were certain moments in it where I was like, you know, I wish I were sitting in a packed audience because yeah. I'm sure, oh and especially like a horror film friendly oh. audience, there's so many moments that probably yeah. would have killed. And instead, you know, what did I have? It was, uh, it was me sitting on the couch, like, uh, you know, during, I, I, <laughs> have you ever laughed so hard in a movie theater that you embarrassed yourself? And now, Oh my God, I did it watching scare package. Have you ever done it? by yourself in your own apartment because that I have you ever laughed so hard that you actually looked around you knowing that you were alone <laughs> out of embarrassment because that's a moment I had earlier with this film it only happened once the rest of it I thought was really amusing and really funny but the by god the disembodied skull on the pile of goo Oh, I knew. I was going to say, Gru is my favorite. Uh, I laughed my head off through that whole sequence. Oh, my. Can, we just, can we just not talk? Oh, I can not talk. I can not talk I all know. day. <laughs> all fucking day. You know, like when he said that, I just started screaming with laughter. Oh, yeah. that, that whole segment that is absolutely fantastic. Um, I think it was Chris that directed that one. It's called <laughs> One Time in the Woods. I could almost watch that one segment like four times. Oh, yeah. I have, and Kevin knows this from having to be in theaters with me, I have an incredibly loud laugh. Like I know I've, <laughs> I've startled children and made babies cry with it because it comes out of nowhere and it comes at like an 80. And so, you know, when you go to watch a film and your friends have made it, and it's supposed to be funny. I always feel really guilty because I'm like, oh, they're going to know if I didn't laugh. <laughs> there's Scare Package, which we actually played several film festivals with them. Yeah. If you yeah. see the two of us, like, like Kevin said, we've had multiple people actually say like, oh, this should be a double feature. There's a lot of similarities in the two films. Um, yeah. Being odd that theirs is an anthology and ours isn't. But uh, yeah. so yeah, we played a say, bunch like, of places. Sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say, like, having watched your trailer, I was like, I can see this, like, just being a segment, you know? So I can't wait to see the feature-length version of that story. Oh, yeah, because no. I mean, Lisa I and I had so much fun coming up with the whole story and content. I mean, oh, yeah. how it sort of came about, I mean, Lisa was uh, in my last film that I wrote called Suspension, and she also did our casting. So that's how I met Lisa. And uh, we were down at the Phoenix Comic Con a few years back with Suspension, and uh, we were doing a little road trip to the Grand Canyon and I was driving and Lisa was in the backseat chatting with one of our actors from Suspension, Sage. And she starts talking about this like puppet idea killer movie, right? And <laughs> I'm, I remember driving and my, literally my ears just perked up. I'm like, what is this? And my brain just started to go, right? And I'm listening to this conversation. And then Lisa says to me, she goes, Kevin. And I'm like, yes. And she goes, would you be interested in writing this? I'm like, ah, uh, fuck yeah. 
Well, for me, it was like a no-brainer right off the top, right? Because it just, I was just like, oh my God, a three-foot tall fuzzy pink puppet cabin in the woods, a bunch of high school kids. Oh my God, let me go at it, right? Because we were, you know, because we're poking, you know, we're bringing all those tropes from the 80s too, right? So we, you know, and it was just so fun because Lisa and I are just such horror geeks that we just got together. Like we had, a, you know, a few story meetings in the beginning and we just were like, having so much fun coming up with all this stuff that we wanted to put in there. And uh, yeah, no, and it, and it was just a real joy for me to do that with her. So it was, and then she directed the shit out of it. I just have to say. Oh, thank you, Bill. Um, I was going to say, wasn't it funny thinking because when you do things like this and you're like, Oh, I'm so smart. And like, I'm so original. And then going into Sea Scare Package and literally hearing some of our lines. I know. And being like, I like, walked out and I looked at Cam Burns and Aaron Coops. <laughs> And I had put it off and off because again, when you love someone and you hear good things and like, I, I genuinely really, really started to, to like Aaron the more that we traveled together and got to know him and consider him a friend. And, and I was like, God, what if the movie's not good? I always feel so bad. And it was so brilliant, but we came out and I looked at him and Cam and I was like, get out of my brain. (laughs) (laughs) There was literally a line in the movie that was almost identical to a line in Puppet Killer. The Phoenix one, right, though? That was the weirdest one because that wasn't even... It well, this is so random, right? It was so there was just Yeah, there was a couple moments where I was like, what? Okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, I can see why we've played the same festivals, but I was also waiting for someone to be like, did you guys make these together? <laughs> <laughs> Although, believe it or not, even though there's a killer puppet, ours is much more of an actual horror. Like, yeah. Except, again, let's go back to Goo Man or whatever we're supposed well, to you know, call that the, guy. That guy time. was absolutely, unbelievably amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I, special I effects on that. Sorry, go. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, though, with Puppet Killer being, you know, much more of a straightforward horror film, because that is one thing about Scare Package. I, I don't get the feeling that the movie had any interest in ever being a... Uh, you know, a scary film or a horrifying film. It was obviously meant to be like a, you know, tongue-in-cheek throwback yeah, to all those movies, but yeah, I mean, yeah, with a very sort of smart-ass bent to yeah, the dialogue, totally. you know. Yeah, I mean, they had dead alive amounts of blood, right? <laughs> like, that was, I was jealous. I was like, I wish I could have thrown that much blood on our location um, because yeah. they just, they had some epic amount. What was that one called? The boyfriend that wouldn't die. I can't remember what the segment was the called. Night he was, came uh, back. The yeah. night he came yeah, back. Part the four, the of- final, there was something like two subtitles or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it was like, up too. it was so good, but the amount of blood that that actress went through, I've seen the behind the scenes on that <laughs> shot. And I mean, power to that woman. I was, yeah. I'm jealous when people can use that much blood for sure. I, I love anything with over the top gore. I just love that stuff. I just, it makes me happy when I see it, so. Well, and again, I'm, and if you've heard any interviews, one of the big things I constantly push or that I'm really fighting with that Kevin's super supportive of me on when we work together is on-screen practical effects. And I'm not going to take away from how uh, new technology has helped advance films in some capacities, but I think that there's almost too hard of a lean. And I think we've lost some of that real fantastic on-screen practicals that made the old horrors what they are. Um, So yeah, I just get giddy as when I see an exploding, but then add the sarcastic delivery and writing of Goo Man. I don't think I'm using the right word, but I'm calling him (laughs) Goo Man. (laughs) Um, I mean, he said goo, you know, he needed his goo pushed back into place. Oh, and he's like, I don't know if I'm going to be me again without my goo. (laughs) It's not like, it's not like there are men 
Daniels for this sort of thing. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I don't want to ruin it, but oh god, when she puts her hand in and then he's just like, oh my bad. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to bite. I did. We know this now. Yeah, I I thought I could handle it. I didn't. I just, yeah, I just, yeah. Uh, Chris did a fantastic job on that. I just, and that, I mean, honestly, when we saw that in the theater, we went with a whole bunch of filmmakers that were there from all over the world. We were with Patty uh, Murphy, who did a phenomenal movie called The Parish from Ireland. Um, and like the blonde in the front, who's like always doing great reviews. So it's a big group of us and uh, a gentleman named Paul, who Paul Fitzgerald, who's an actor from Ireland, who doesn't like horror movies. Like he genuinely gets scared in them, but he's in horror movies. So he's one of the stars of the parish, but he actually leaves when his character leaves because he just doesn't want to watch it anymore because he gets scared. <laughs> so I'm beside him in scare package. Number one, I'm laughing my annoying laugh. It's what, like two in the afternoon? Oh my God. Uh, and I'm dying laughing at this whole, and I know Aaron and Cam are in there, but then I'm also laughing every time Paul shits himself. So you say you don't think it was meant to be scary, and I don't remember when, because I rewatched it obviously to talk to you. But there were times when Paul like shit himself, and I <laughs> laughed so loud at like the one time you're not supposed to laugh. <laughs> I was like, Aaron probably thinks I'm laughing at the film, but I was just laughing at how Paul would curl up in a little ball, and he's gonna kill me for saying all these things. But it was I- just joy in all fronts when we saw this i miss i miss getting scared in horror films i used to when i was a kid well my parents took me to see it's live when i was a kid uh 1973 i would have been eight years old when i saw it's alive i've still had some solid i mean i think being a filmmaker is a curse and a blessing right i'm constantly like oh i know what the beat's coming next and blah 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 yeah but man i've definitely had some moments don't breathe uh, oh, come yeah. on, that that got That's me good. a couple times in the theater. I was like, yeah. dude. Yeah, that was well uh, done. I thought so. I mean, I've gone on a massive tangent lately on social media about Hereditary, so I won't get myself in too much trouble um, <laughs> because I am like not in love with the ending of that film because I- <gasps> I had this- I No, had- it was not good. It was comical. It was like he fell asleep for like five minutes. Someone ran in, stole his laptop and left as like a, like a, like a five-year-old. Finish the movie. But anyway. Um, but My no. reaction to, okay, I watched that in, it was probably noon and it was myself and a friend. And then there was some other random guy in the theater. It was a massive auditorium. There was nobody there. And I walked out after that ending, like broad daylight, 85 degrees, shivering. Like I was so damn scared. I kid you not. And oh, I don't, I don't really? get scared in movies. I kid you not. Like, but from it, probably the last 15 minutes just scared the living hell out of me. Oh my gosh. And that's where it lost me. I thought there was some great moments. Um, again, no spoilers, but that moment in the car, I rem- cause I normally do feel like I see things coming a little bit. And I went, I saw it with my sound designer. We go to movies a lot together. And I remember grabbing him and being like, Oh, <laughs> no one could have prepared me for that. Some phenomenal camera work. I thought there was really great ways. Those times where they were introduced a, a shape behind them, but you didn't quite know. 
um, the camera work in the attic with the sun at the end. And then we got to the last about nine minutes. And I remember feeling like I did when I watched the crystal skull and I was like, really? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? It's aliens. Like we just gave up in the writer's room or what happened here? Like, I just was like, gosh, darn it. Yeah. I was, I was not. Happy. I actually saw it twice. Um, Cause when I first saw it, I actually did not like it at all. And I, and I kind of thought, okay, there was, I, I was missing something. And I remember thinking that the movie actually wasn't marketed properly in my opinion. Um, so I was expecting this like crazy real, you know, horror film, you know, the, one of the, you know, like that. But it, when I saw it, I was like, what is this? And then I saw it again and then realized that really what it was, it was like really a, a sort of stylized after the, a lot of the seventies horror films, you know, very character driven, um, you know, that very atmospheric, sort of a slow burn, um, which I appreciated actually the second time I saw it. Um, you know, I mean, I, I actually liked the film a lot. I thought that, yeah, I had a little bit of an issue, like Lisa said, with the ending, but, um, you know, I really enjoyed sort of what Ari was sort of doing with the sort of, you know, with the storytelling and the characters. And, you know, did you see Midsummer, Jinx? Yes, uh, the I think I saw the theatrical cut. I kid you not, like three yeah. times in the theater. And then there was a one week release of the director's cut that I saw, and then I finally picked up the uh, that as with everything A twenty four puts out that ridiculously yeah. overpriced four uh, K Blu ray of the director's cut, which is the only way you can own it. But uh, I actually think it's even though it's thirty minutes longer, I think it's a superior cut of the movie. Even yeah. though, like I, you know, Midsummer is one of those rare movies where I thought that you can feel the length of the movie but it doesn't it never it never yeah. bored me so no. you know it felt like a journey wow. and yeah. for whatever reason tacking that extra 30 minutes in there made it move actually a little faster for me in really? a strange way but, yeah no i i adore that. the movie i didn't like it as much as hereditary but yeah. he that guy has earned a, a purchase ticket from me for the next yeah. you know handful of movies that no doubt well yeah yeah no i i really actually really enjoyed uh midsummer a lot so um because a lot of the stuff i you know it was like wow like i can't believe like he really can be in your face as a you know filmmaker too like here i'm gonna show you this for like five minutes you know <laughs> and you're kind of going oh god really <laughs> uh, there's yeah. there's something about his restraint i think where you know he, he plays a little unfair in a great yeah. way where it's like okay he he sets yeah. up the language of the movie and you know he's not yeah. going to show everything but then eventually he'll just go ahead and show you everything too yeah. and it's you know, on some level, you know, at least, and again, you know, going back to like my, my reaction to Hereditary and near the end, like there were moments that were happening on screen where I was like, you're not, you're not supposed to do that. You're, this yeah. is not what, yeah. this is my God. <laughs> yeah. But now it's interesting to sort of see sort of, you know, some of the newer, sort of the modern horror films now that are coming out. Right. Um, so, you know, yeah, we sort of, you know, Lisa and I, we're like part of the next wave here. <laughs> Come on, puppy killer. Uh. <laughs> well, I love it too. And I love that we, you know, for the last handful of years, we've actually had a lot of, you know, I want to say, what would you say around, obviously the late nineties, we were going through the uh, sort of slasher, you know, renaissance yeah. again, the, like the neo slashers, the uh, self-reflexive slashers. And then we kind of went into the J-horror boom. And then, you know, there was kind of like the remake trend, but at a certain point it felt like, we had a run of full-on like 70s inspired movies totally. and eventually that kind of gave way to 80s inspired movies and yeah. which i love and i i you know and that's i think that's a lot of what i loved about scare package and a lot of what 
you know, just again, from seeing the trailer, it certainly looks like Puppet Killer is, you know, inspired by those movies that, you know, I grew up with, you know, um, in the 80s. So I, I love that. I am curious, I am wondering at what point we're going to go through another shift and then we'll start calling back to the 90s because the 90s were dominated in the last half by movies that were already sort of commenting on themselves. So what does a revisit to that look like? I have no idea, but... Right? It's like meta shitting on meta. Yeah, it'll, it'll uh, you know, it'll, it'll be like the feedback sequence in Being John Malkovich, where Malkovich <laughs> enters the space where he goes into John Malkovich. Things are just going to get a little screwy at that point, I think. But at the same time, can't wait to see it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, it, it's an interesting time. I think some of the original content that's come out has been fantastic. And I think some of it's almost... I think I have an unpopular opinion, but I'm okay with it. I think some of the horror films that have come out have probably gotten more praise than they would have had we had more content in mainstream theatrical horror releases. I'm not saying there isn't a lot of good content out there. I think there is. I think there's a ton of great horror con- uh, creators, but I think so often they end up living in the indie world where they can't quite get to the mainstream and the the horror films that get to the mainstream get so much buzz and support because the horror fans are just dying to see something Um, that I think if we give like a little bit more room for more original creators, we're going to get a significantly higher quality of horror in the theater. Fingers crossed if theaters are a thing. (laughs) I agree. I will will say too, like something that draws me in the movies, like, and you know, I just talked about how I loved Hereditary and Midsummer certainly. And there are plenty of movies that I've seen recently that are wonderful, but I gotta admit, like there are, when it comes to theatrical horror releases, if they're not like big franchise movies, you know, I, I dig the conjuring franchise quite a bit. You know, I, I, I dig a lot of the big screen, like horror movies that we're getting, but there's something kind of comforting even before I step foot inside of a movie like Scare Package or even, you know, going back to the trailer again, Puppet Killer, where, you know, if it is kind of a loving throwback, you know, then I know that it's coming from filmmakers who actually respect the genre and appreciate it. And something that kind of bugs me about, and I don't want to use Hereditary as an example because I don't get this from Ari Aster at all, but, you know, we've all seen, and sometimes it's just fan response too, but, we've all seen like the A24 style horror movie that has come out and we'll hear the phrase elevated horror or we'll hear, you know, the movie get praise either from the people who made it or, you know, uh, from... Well, you look out, get, you know, get out, right. You know, which did really, really well. Uh, Blumhouse, right. Mm-hmm. With that I, one. My comparison to that, and I know this is my unpopular opinion again, would be it follows. It's I'm awesome. sorry. I didn't think yeah. that was that great of a movie. I I I love the movie, but what made me bristle was kind of the reaction to it and the reaction to Hereditary and the reaction to like so many other movies like that, which is there. there's the feeling that we have to justify liking a horror movie to the degree that we do right. with some of those movies by saying that it's elevated or yeah. by, you know, there there's kind of an apologist's stance with a lot of movies now that make it onto the big screen if they're from smaller you know, or even, you know, even VOD, you know, uh, but there is, yeah, you, you get the sense that 
even the filmmakers, even if they've made a great movie, they feel like they're slumming it. And I don't get that from a movie like Scare Package, where in the first five minutes, you know exactly where their heart is. Yeah. And the fact that they're not trying to talk down to the audience, which I, again, as a viewer, I was bristle. And, you know, I, <laughs> I probably shouldn't mention this because it certainly this past week, it, uh, it, it got enough attention on its own. But like, did you all see the Jay Baruchel? Oh my God, I was just sitting here <laughs> thinking about this. <laughs> I went off on Jay on Twitter, okay? I, I tagged him. I was like, I am a Canadian motherfucking horror director. How dare you? Like, how dare you? He made a statement. Uh, I can't quote it. I read it once. I raged. But it was pretty much, uh, and please, I only read it once, so I'm probably paraphrasing wrong with my anger. But I am looking it up no- right now because it is it is something. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, I, please read it because my interpretation is pretty much no good horror has ever been made. Fuck all the horror shit on everything. Um, it was just non-supportive. It's like he made a film, which I haven't seen, um, called, uh, what is it? Random Acts of Violence. And I believe it was a director's statement attached to that film and I could be wrong it was according to him because he did to his and I should preface it by this because you know part of the if we want to call it discourse like on uh on Twitter you know there were people who were raging at him and honestly I think kind of I I I get it I get the negative response I think he he deserved the negative response but at the same time like it was you know there were also people who were responding to the negative response as though you know, people, I, I think people are trying to justify it simply by saying like, hey, this is just one guy's opinion or whatever. But I will say this, and there are plenty of people that I'm about to reference here who I respect. But two years ago, I think probably when Hereditary came out, somebody wrote this article, it went up online, it talked about elevated horror again. And everybody in the horror community, uh, quote unquote, the horror community, ranted and raved and raged about that article. And, you know, there were even some people who like tagged the article writer and how dare you look down at the genre and this and that, blah, blah, blah. With Jay Baruchel, like there were people who were angry and then there were people who were angry at the people who were angry and they were trying to defend them. And it was this weird kind of thing where, you know, I'm kind of on the sidelines just going like, okay, like I, you know, I, I don't know why it's cool for some people to catch hell for takes like this, but some people can't, but whatever, you know, to his credit, and I'll preface it with, with his response, because I think somebody, uh, Dre Belay tagged him uh, on a response to uh, somebody else's response to it where they hadn't tagged him. And come on, snitch tagging is never cool. Like that's, Come on. Uh, but his response was, <clears throat> this quote is from a director's statement I typed up years ago. I was trying to sell the sizzle and hype up my flick to some potential investor. It's wanky nonsense and was never meant to be public, and I am a tad embarrassed. I would also do it again in a heartbeat, uh, presumably to get his movie made. Now, the statement itself is, and bear with me here, <clears throat> and I quote, The sad truth is that horror has turned stagnant, a warehouse for outdated ideas and misogyny apologists. A lot of these ills have been here for a while, while some are new trends. Either way, the vast majority of horror flicks feature characters nobody cares about in cynically engineered circumstances that fetishizes cruelty. This is incorrect morally. Oh, Jesus. This is incorrect morally, as well as antithetical to the very essence of what a horror film is meant to feel like. 
Above all, a horror film should be scary. It sounds simple enough, and yet when one watches the majority of contemporary horror flicks, so few of them are actually scary. They may be shocking and inspire momentary car crash awe, but the fact is, if an audience member laughs or shares some sort of holy shit moment with the person next to them, they may be excited, but they are not scared. Random Acts of Violence, his movie, Random Acts of Violence seeks to cure this. Oh, Okay, so I do want to qualify when I said that I raged at him. I'm a, I'm a Mexican, okay? I'm quite exaggerative when I speak. I didn't really rage to him, but Shannon McGraw, who is an amazing writer in the horror community, and Dre, who tagged him, are friends of mine. So, yes, that's what he said. And what I said back to him, and I quote, was, I was a Canadian horror director who has busted my ass off to create original, entertaining horror content and to help the resurgence of practical effects. This was beyond disappointing to read. We are such a tight community. To be torn down by one of our own is a kick we don't need. And I feel that. And I think you're totally correct for having that response. I absolutely do. I like, do. It's not that I don't think people shouldn't have their own opinions. Like, I have just come out of the closet as not liking Hereditary and It Follows. I'm fairly certain people are going to gatekeep me from being able but, to direct but, more. They're going to be but, like, girl, you don't know shit. But, but you said you don't like Hereditary. You didn't say why, you know, uh, uh, that... <laughs> Well, we'll even say like elevated horror films or, you know, more dramatic leaning horror films are a sign of the ills of the genre that puppet killer that will correct, it, what, you know? Right, like, like that's, it was, that's what it was. Number one, I think there's really good things about okay. Hereditary. I think the acting was fucking top notch. Um, and I've never publicly ever gone on to shame it. And I wouldn't tag that director or shame someone else who liked it. Good friends of mine like it. It follows. People loved it. It did fucking well. I'd love to have a film that did half that well. Just as a person who dissects film, that eh, wasn't meant for me. But I wouldn't tear down the whole group. I wouldn't. And what I got upset about Jay for, A, I'm a Canadian, and, and we're, we're fighting a hard fight as Canadian filmmakers to get a name anywhere. Um, so I'm a pass the ladder down kind of person. So I took it personal as a Canadian. But again, when we are creating a genre and we're working in horror, to shit on every fucking film is just so elitist and ridiculous. And then to come in and go like, but don't worry about it. I got the solution. You should go see my movie. <laughs> I know, right? fucking ridiculous. You can absolutely have opinions and say, oh, this guy, this filmmaker is not my jam, but like is it- horror in general is okay. Like, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you entirely. I also wonder too, because I've tried to play devil's advocate for him and I don't know that there's much space to actually do that. Janet's doing a good job of giving him a space for a voice and I'm going to give her a lot of credit for that. (laughs) With with his reaction, even, you know, when he calls it wanky nonsense, it's hard to disagree with him. Is it forgivable on some level if he never meant it to see the light of day and it was only used to say, work up a potential investor? I don't know in any circumstance. Actually, okay, yes. I think absolutely almost everything is, not almost everything, but there's a lot of things that are forgivable. We are human beings. We're living in a world we never lived in 20 years ago where every mistake we make is put on on blast. <laughs> so I've really been a fan lately of the switch of terms from cancer culture to accountability culture, right? I don't think we need to cancel a lot of people, but I do think people should be held accountable. So- mm-hmm. He stepped up immediately when Shannon was like, whoa, boy, what the fuck? Like, I'm literally in the middle of a press release for you. And I'd love to know. He was like, yep. 
I'm sorry, shouldn't have said it, willing to have a dialogue with you. Um, so yes, but I still think for me to approach an investor, how insecure am I that it only way to sell my film <laughs> is to tell them that every horror film before mine was shit. <laughs> it's insane. And it doesn't even make my film sound good. It's like, oh, all those pieces of toaster burnt, I got some bread. You want the bread? I got bread. <laughs> I, I will say that there is nothing about that write-up that makes me want to see the movie. And I was going to watch the movie. I, I'm a fan of his as an actor. I love, uh, you know, all of the obvious horror nods in This is the End, where it seemed to be kind of a loving embrace of certain types of, you know, uh, uh, horror movies, certainly. And so I was kind of giddy to see his movie, especially when I found out it was on Shutter. And then all of this hit, and I read that, and I was like, if that's where he was actually coming from as a storyteller, I don't know that I need to see that movie. No, and to, you know, I know we're a bit precious as a horror community, and I like it. I like that we look out for each other. I like, I love the feeling of our family. Like, I really love the horror community. And so for me, it is just genuine, and it does speak to me similar to what I think you said, or it might have been Kevin, where it's like, are you really a fan of horror? Do you really love this genre? If you're going to say that, you cannot like specific films, but you can love horror. And if you don't love horror, which a person like that shitting on all past horror saying that, you know, why the fuck are you making a horror movie? You know, and I have seen some people pop up by saying like, look, this is a guy who's talked up horror movies for years. He's been a fan. He's wanted to make horror movies for years and so on and so forth. I don't get that from that statement at all. So maybe, you know, maybe he was just straight up lying. You know, uh, or again, as he put it, like, you know, trying to sell the sizzle. But again, I think ultimately by the fact that it, and maybe this is a cautionary tale, but, you know, maybe he shouldn't have said it at all. Maybe he shouldn't have put it out there at all because any, as you pointed out with like, cancel culture, accountability culture, anything that you put out into the world is going to get dug up at some point, probably. Like there is going to be a light shown on it. So you might've just been talking to an investor to get your movie made, but you know, is there a way to do it in such a way that you're not going to burn yourself later? Because again, you know, I, I read that and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, it went from being a must see for me. Like, you know, it was on the list and now it's kind of like, you know, I might get around to it one day. I might not, if I have nothing else to do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And and where I came from in my tweets with him, because like I said, I'm friends with Dre, Dre and Shannon, and I saw that conversation and I was just like, hey, more of accountability. And it, it was personal for me. It was like, I work really hard to create Canadian horror content. Yeah. And you ha- you're in a place of privilege. So people in a place of privilege should be creating space for content creators. Should be, you know, I mean, I'm not asking for handouts, but I'm asking, please don't call all the investors you have contacts with and tell them every other film is shit when I might be the next phone call. That's fucking unfair. I mean, just talk up your own shit. It, it was, it, to me, it's, it was a bit like a spoiled baby. And it really tainted me on wanting to see the film. But it also was an interesting space to create, like, an opportunity for a dialogue. And like, okay. Maybe it did screw up. Interesting. Would love to hear what you really think of horror. Um, but I don't I... think if you know horror, if you're a fan of horror, if you know the temperature, why are you saying it? Yeah, and you know, it, it's funny whenever I, uh, and I get this with, I think it's easy to forget. It, it surely is with me when, <laughs> and I never had this as a kid. Uh, I Again, small town, Southern Ohio. I was the lone horror movie fan in my school. I was the lone comic book guy 
in my school. You know, it wasn't until I hit college where I was like, wait, there are other people. That's amazing. You know, and now I'm spoiled where I can hop on the Twitter and guess what? I have perfectly curated my own community. I know exactly who I want to follow, which takes I want to hear. I love all of these people and we can talk about the things that we love all together. And then when you hear something like this, it's almost like there's kind of like this knee jerk reaction of hearing word from an outsider, but you know, in real life at the job that I work at, you know, I used to work at a movie theater for 15 years, so it wasn't too hard to strike up a conversation at any point to while away the slower days. But, you know, working at a car dealership is a little bit different. And, you know, I try and have conversations with people and inevitably nine times out of 10, the reaction that I get from people when I tell them I'm a horror movie fan that I, you know, write about horror is kind of like this upturned nose holding the genre between you know thumb and forefinger looking for the nearest trash bin to toss it into simply because you know whenever you and whenever you push somebody on that you know we were talking about how you know there's this great run of movies that call back to the 80s in a very loving way yeah equally it seems like whenever i try and have a conversation with a person of a certain age about why they don't like horror movies inevitably all the tropes all the things that they don't like that they call out inevitably to me come from the eighties. I mean, have you ever heard of somebody decrying the horror genre for, you know, going back to the barrel show comment, you know, uh, being say relentlessly misogynist, really referring to anything outside of the glut of slasher movies that came out in the eighties. I mean, really? No. You know, so I, it, it is curious that then, you know, the horror community as a whole, we look back on that decade fondly and we look at all of the movies that pay uh, respect and homage to that decade fondly. And yet equally, there is also a large swath of, say, up and coming filmmakers and also fans who probably dislike it as much as we do like it. Yeah. 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 And respect. But I mean, if we're gonna like, yeah, there was some crazy misogynistic bullshit in fucking old school horror, and half the time people got killed for having sex. You know, there's oh, a lot no, of slut shaming going we're on. All about, but, really. but that was the temperature then. And you can look at comedies that haven't aged well. You can look at stand-up routines that haven't mm-hmm. aged well, and you can go, okay, is that reflective of stand-up as a culture, or was I, that what stand-up was allowed to do in the '80s? Now that was Robin Williams high as fuck, hanging from a like a. Uh, you know the the rafters and doing crazy inappropriate stuff um and so i think people that are like seeking out to not like horror and be that judgy they're just that's just what they're gonna do why do you think everybody reaches back to the 80s to find a reason to dislike horror though because to me like you know obviously there is no kid out there or you know older adult even i don't think there's anybody out there who doesn't have a passing familiarity with the classic monsters whether they be the universal classics or the hammer movies or even the you know some of the movies that we got uh, eventually in the 90s when you look at the 60s and 70s we have hitchcock we have the exorcist we have the omen we have numbers of big movies movies that are classics movies that people at least know the uh you know the title it's why there are so many remakes of those movies because you know they can prey upon at least brand recognition right there are you know loads of movies that were super popular in the 90s and you know there are a lot of indie darlings and you know great films that people have shown up up in droves to see you know i worked at, again at a movie theater for 15 years and horror movies were one of the most popular things that we ever played certainly for midnight shows so why is it, do you think, that by and large, whenever somebody wants to turn their nose up at the horror genre, they don't consider everything surrounding the 80s, you know, on either side of it? It seems like the 80s is always what they hold up and wag at people for saying that, you know, it's a disreputable genre. 
Right. I mean, it also didn't help when uh, Siskel Niebert came after the oh. Sasha right? Oh, my God. Like, what they did to Betsy Palmer and oh, shaming Mickey Rooney and... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, and, or no, 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 I'm sorry. I conflated well, that with something else. You know, somebody and, else. But. And parents were like protesting, right? They were not happy, you know? Um, and that added fuel to the fire, I think. You know, and I, I've been, I used to, stay, I grew up in a small town. I used to go see restricted horror movies all the time when I was like underage and I would stand outside the theater and ask adults to get me in, right? So I was seeing movies like, you know, I saw Halloween and Carrie and Maniac and The Omen and The Shining and The Exorcist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I saw all of them, you know, when I was a kid in the theater. Um, so, you know, I saw it all, you know, and then I got into the slasher genre, you know, all the slasher films that came out. So for me, I mean, I look back at them, you know, with nostalgia because I think that, you know, it was sort of a time that was like this um, in the whole genre where it was this very, um, I mean, when I saw Friday the 13th for the first time in the theater, that was the first time I really saw on-screen gore. You know, like, wow, they put an axe in her face. You know, like, that was crazy to me. And But I think that's what, you know, the audience. That's what makes out. us weird and people can't relate to us, Kevin. <laughs> I, the fucking neck slit in Friday the 13th right? is like, damn. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Like, obviously, at the time, you don't know who it is. You're just in the Jeep yeah. and he's running yeah. through the woods. And it was done in yeah. such a great way with such a great prosthetic and a practical and mm -hmm. I don't want to speak for other filmmakers, or pardon me, fans, but for me, I think even then not knowing I was going to be a filmmaker, I was like, how did they do that? Yeah. That is fascinating. No, but also, you want to chuck a, an axe in someone's head, that's yeah. fucking great, and then we get excited. But I think for an outside person, that's a great reason to say horror is weird, to hear us yeah, say, yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic. They put an axe yeah. in the face. Like, it that's does it. make you got to have, you know, the context, right? Like, you know, you know, I look back at it, as, it's like great memories for me, you know, because I love being in the theater and getting scared and the audience mm -hmm. screaming and you know all that stuff that you know I remember as a kid and I love that adrenaline rush of being scared in a movie in a horror film um so you know I think that you know people now you know this you know I grew up in in that time you know the 70s and 80s I I, I love that I got to experience all that you know nowadays like you know it's all stream you know there's really it's not that experience anymore um, so there's a lot of nostalgia, I think, for a lot of us that, you know, grew up in that time. Well, um, and, I, and I think what people are missing when they judge the horror in that, because like everything Kevin just said, I think right. is what we all feel that love it there. And even if I, I wasn't allowed to watch horrors as a kid. So, you know, I was a little older when I started getting into them. It was actually the first it right. on television, right. which came oh, out. Right. I was, I was in grade seven. I don't know when the yeah. fuck that was, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, yeah. But for a lot of us, when we look back, we do, we talk about, or the, the physiological uh, reactions that we have when we watch horror, we enjoy that. I love getting the shit scared out of me. Um, but I think there's this weird stereotypical response, like you said, where everyone thinks of horror and they think, what is wrong with you? You're yeah. getting off on watching a man chase down women and cut them up with a knife. And right. that's it. That's the black and white box that they put us in. And they're like, that's crazy. And that's, there's something wrong with you. And you're, you're glorifying the violence. Whereas, you know, the explanation to a lot of people that we're not glorifying it, we're enjoying a movie experience um, as we would with any other movie. Um, I think, yeah, we just, we get put in a bit of a box, but I think it's easy for people that haven't experienced the nostalgia that Kevin has or really fallen in love with the making of horror or film yeah. in general, like some of us have, it's easy for them to just go, oh yeah, well, I know of or heard of or read this review that that's all you guys do and you guys are sick. It's, 
you know, it's, it's a, I think it's a very closed minded mentality, but it's one that's very yeah. widely, widely shared. Trust me, try being a single wo- woman and then meeting a man and saying, oh, what do you do for a living? I direct horror movies. And then like the look on their face. <laughs> <laughs> like I just, you know, I'm like, I still collect horror stuff too, right? Like, you know, I, you know, I, I, I've been collecting, you know, horror stuff since I was a kid, since the seventies. And I still have a lot of that stuff in my room still. I, my room still looks like my room from like when I was a teenager, seriously. You know, I've got all the, you know, horror dolls and collectibles and comics and magazines and you name it. So, you know, so it's never really left me. That's why Puppy Killer, I think, was really fun for me to write because I got to really bring that spirit to the whole thing. Whereas, you know, I, I grew up with it. There's a lot of nostalgia for me with it, you know, being a fan and also a, you know, horror filmmaker and a horror writer. I always said I was a, a horror fan first and a filmmaker second. So. Oh, totally. But again, let's go back to the J thing. I think yeah. when you're going to get into a genre, you, it's, you don't have to be, but it really helps if you're a fan. It helps if you really oh, love totally. it. Um, because that's going to be shown in yeah. what you pay attention to and what you spend your time on, specifically yeah. as a director, right? I think it's really easy to, if you weren't a fan, to maybe time management differently right like kevin knows this but i fought for my on-screen practical kills um and the story could have been told just as well without them in theory right Uh, from a producer's standpoint you if you were going a to b you weren't a fan of horror you wanted to tell the story you wanted to be really smart on time and money the things i fought for might not have made sense but from a horror standpoint they did and they are what makes this film work for horror fans so going back to that i think it's important to be a fan of the genre um, I don't think it's necessary, but I think it's really important. Yeah. No, I can't wait. I cannot wait to see Puppet Killer. And I do, I think I am going to take you up on that idea of doing a double feature with Scare Package. And it occurs to me, we are actually nearing the end of our hour. So I wanted to ask you both, out of all of the segments in Scare Package, <laughs> what is your favorite? Which, is there a standout for you? Is there one that, you know, uh, you find yourself laughing at more gleefully than, uh, than any of the other segments? Uh, mine for sure would be One Time in the Woods, of course. Uh, <laughs> I also enjoyed Mr. The, uh, uh, the guy who joins that men's club. And the men's up, rights group of right. werewolves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that one was more of a political or sort of a social commentary for me in a way. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I love One Time in the Woods and also um, the, uh, the night he came back as well and also oh and also joe bob right shows up <laughs> oh and more hypotheses yeah the night he came back had some of the best sound design i don't know if they had one sound designer for the whole film i kind of assume that that's how you would stitch it together but i do think the sound design in that was amazing but yeah no uh my favorite segment was one time in the woods like how how can it not be um i thought horror hypotheses which was the final segment yeah was really good too like i mean like the first opening scene you see the crop top you see it all you see rad chad trying to break it down um i think it's just a really rewarding scene for a a horror fan to watch but i really do think aaron's segment stitching it all together Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to do i thought it was fucking it was done well it was funny as fuck and sorry i what was that one what was it goldie hawn Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's where you take uh, guys who are named Han and you. You're oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if your name is actually Han. 
I have to say those three actors were so well cast. I don't know who they are. I don't know if they've been in other things. I didn't look them up, but they all played those, that segment. They were, right. they were awesome, yeah. for sure. Yeah. They, yeah. they really did a great job. No, I scare props too. highly recommend yeah, well, I you know when you think about a lot of horror anthologies, like the ones that even bother to have framing devices, generally it's you know it's kind of one thing. And what I loved about Scare Package is that you know it's certainly an anthology, but there are several different framing devices. Yeah. This particular one, you know, the meta opening is a screenplay, you know, that we pull out of into quote unquote the real world. Some of the shorts are VHS tapes that we view. Some are recollections of movies. The ending is kind of like an extension of the first film, but yeah. it's all taking place in kind of one continuity. It's such a fun setup. But I did want to ask you all in closing, like, what do you make of the? There's kind of this Mobius strip kind of thing happening with the beginning of the movie and the ending of the movie, where in the opening the meta. Mike Myers, it, yeah. which I love that, uh, is the guy responsible for setting up and closing out horror films. But we learned that in the real world, he's a screenwriter writing about that version of himself. But then by the end, we're still in the same quote unquote real world, but Mike shows up again, but he's totally playing his own screenplay's version of himself, which I kind of love. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I, I loved it. And I thought it, again, there's one way to be self-aware and then there's just such an incredibly intelligent way of being self-aware. And I, I loved that opening. I do want to give credit to that opening too. Uh, I think it is actually called. The oh, crack me up. Yeah. It was um, yeah. And like him being Mike Myers and trying to change and yeah. their babysitters and <laughs> accidental kill. And even just the, what he's wearing and yeah. protecting himself with the mask from the blood and just, it, I loved it. Um, you could just see like a game, right? Made by fans who understand the genre. Exactly. And that's why the opening scene at the end too, when you just, when you see all the characters, you break it down and, and Rad Chad's like, oh, I know who you are, who you are. Oh, you're the slut. And she's like, hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I just, I had the biggest grin on my face. And it, yeah, it was like, you fucking love horror. I love horror. Thank yeah. you. And it was a gift. It's, you know, it, it was a love letter to horror. I think you said that right at the beginning, Jinx. And and, and that oh. just really did it for me. Yep. But hold on, before we go, really quick, Jinx, what was your favorite segment? Yeah. Well, I mean, it does have to be One Time in the Woods. That's, oh, that's. Yeah. Ah, Chris, well done. I did, I, you know, I did like the cold open. I loved Rad Chat's Horror Emporium and Horror yep, Hypothesis. Yep. Uh, Mister, I thought was really interesting. You know, the one thing that I thought about a lot of these, like even Girls Night Out of Body yeah. and um, The Night He Came Back, these were all, it, it, it wasn't even like, and I'm not knocking them for this. This is going to sound like a slight, but it's not. It's actually, uh, I'm giving them props. I love that it felt like, uh, in a lot of cases with these segments, it didn't feel like we were getting a complete story necessarily with a beginning, middle, and end, as you would expect from a lot of anthologies and a lot of short films. It more felt like, here is the best section of a larger movie. You know, we're going to show you just like a sampler of what the feature right. film version of One Time in the Woods would be. We're going to show you like a sampler scene from the night he came back again, you know, and... uh right. I, I just, I dug the hell out of that. The only one, if I got to admit, and I, I, I don't want to end on a negative by bashing anybody because I actually do think it was really interesting and very well made and very moody and atmospheric in a way and maybe not as funny as, you know, the other segments. But uh, so much to do wow. is one that felt like, 
as far as its influences, like it felt like it was the one outlier, the one that yeah. was a little far astray of like the yeah. rest of the content. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Wanted okay. to know what the hell was going on, but yeah. that was the one that left me scratching my head more than a little. It was I, I, more, I, oh, sorry, go, Kevin. No, it was it, it was more of a science fiction bent on that one, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, visually well done and beautifully shot and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't, you know, again, like Jinx was, you know, saying it didn't quite feel like it fit in with the whole sort of uh, other films, you know, the whole sort of the, the you know, the, the vibe of the other, you know, the vibe of it also. Well, and um, I think for them too, I, I mean, I don't know. And I think I remember this having a conversation with Aaron, but I, I, I might be wrong. I think what everyone was given was a trope. Um, and yeah. then those tropes were turned into the segments. And I think you're right. They do. They play like a piece, a, a satisfying piece of a larger story. Um, which was great. And, and I think that that's where sometimes short films do fall apart. They want to put so much into the beginning, the middle, the resolution, the end, that they get so much information that it, there's too much going on. So sort of letting go of that and allowing yourself to see a scene made it a little lighter and easier. Um, so much going on, I think, is what it's called. I think they were up against such a hard battle because so many were laugh-out-loud hilarious yeah. that... I mean, that was a really high bar to sit in, right? And I, and I don't know what the writing specifications were for each segment or what their thing was. But yeah, I definitely like didn't laugh out loud with that. And therefore you negatively almost go like, oh, well, that wasn't as good as the rest. Whereas if you watched it on its own, it might be like right. super satisfying in this fantastic short, no. but just not funny. And, and that's okay, right? But yeah, I definitely felt the same. I felt like that one totally just sat in a different space. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've rarely seen an anthology put together as well as this one was. So go team. Yeah, I know this, this was a real treat. So For sure. I also want to see the feature length of Into the Woods. <laughs> yes. I want to know more about Goo Man. Yeah. I want to follow Goo Man everywhere. <laughs> I want a Goo Man doll. Yeah. You know, they, 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 oh my God, I would. I would. There's a t-shirt and there are trading cards that you can get like a pack of trading cards for Scare Package and like Oh, sweet, really? Oh, my God. Yeah, there's, like, Scare Package has got this great, um, well, I think it's Paper Boy Productions. Oh, I'm sorry if I've got it wrong. Paper Street, Paper Street Productions. Um, Yeah, they're selling a whole bunch of merch. They've got stickers for Scare Package, but the trading cards and the T-shirts are are cracking me up because um, I would totally wear a tank top with, and again, I don't think it's called Goo Man. I'm so sorry. I'm just excited (laughs) that it's called Goo Man now. If it's not, it should be. I know, right? It's the only thing I can think of to describe him. Oh my God. All right, folks, I think we've just about reached our time. Thank you so much for choosing such a great movie to talk about. And I just wanted to ask before we go, uh, where can folks find you all at online? And uh, what can we keep an eye out for from you in the future? Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't. This is a standard question. I. I want to explain that. That was so fantastic. Kevin and I are learning to be good at social media. Uh, I get in trouble from my producers when I say I'm not good at it, but that's, that was that, that was, that was hilarious. I'm seriously going on Twitter right now to see what my Twitter handle is. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. Um, I'm on Twitter. I think it's, uh, OVA's Lisa. Um, we've got a uh, puppet killer movie on Instagram. I'm on Instagram under my name. Uh, puppet killer Facebook. Yeah. I was going to say I'm old. 
So <laughs> I use Facebook more than anything. I've got my own personal Facebook and then oh, we have and a couple other Facebook. I'm on Facebook, Kevin Mosley. I'm all, and I am on Twitter at, uh, at Kevin Mosley 14. Don't ask me where the 14 came from. I just I was 14, so. Um, I'm, I just had to sign up for an Instagram account and it made me tack on something like no less than six letter or six numbers at the end of my uh, my handle. So I don't even know how to tell people no. what, what how the hell to oh follow me. Oh my word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're working on social media. We're, if people want to follow me on Twitter, I've actually found it to be a much friendlier place. Well, my me. last my last experience on Twitter was something else. Just that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I know. You've had an adventure. <laughs> Twitter, left, Twitter can be a dangerous place. I left Twitter for a couple of years oh because it just seems, but I, I just really enjoyed it since coming back because I was told I had to um, by our producers. Um, <laughs> I just, I think I just curated Similar to what you were saying, I curated my little horror family, right? I like the people I talk to on Twitter. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm digging it. Um, Jay Barishell might come back at me tomorrow. But I'm- <laughs> <laughs> I feel so like I, I just feel like my dad sometimes. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so I'm too old for this stuff. And Twitter, what the hell is that? I mean, I'd be happy with two tin cans and a string. I think so. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right. Thank you both again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It was really fun, Jinx. Thank no, you for having us. So much. Anytime we get to talk about horror. And everyone check out Scare Package. Yes. So good. Also, uh, shameless plug for them, too, and I haven't seen it yet. So if it's not good, don't blame me. Uh, they just dropped another one called The Pale Door. Totally different feel. Oh, but um, same yeah. director, uh, Aaron Koontz, who organized Scare Package. And yeah, presented by Joe Lansdale, too, I believe. Ah. I, I should add, though, that uh, just jinx that you're talking about what's next. Um, Lisa and I are doing another film next. Um, oh, God, we are so good at promoting ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's called The Mall. Ooh. The Mall, M-A-U-L, like the weapon. Kevin wrote it. It's fantastic. And um, mm. my little blurb is like, if you took Trump's America, you put it in a mall and you lit it on fire. Literally, that's the next movie we're making. That feels like present day America. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we've been working on it for a little bit. We didn't know you'd get here. <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 uh, we're excited about this one. I'm super excited about it. It's uh, been a script that's been in sort of development for a couple of years. Um, you know, so, so yeah, we're, we're super excited to get this one rolling. So. And yeah. it's so us. It's slasher on screen no, practical so effects. Like, oh, yeah. When I when I fight as a director, it's like every kill <laughs> should be on screen done. Yeah. This one's really an eighties star, very stylized eighties slasher, but in with very contemporary themes. So, oh, I can't wait. That's that's yeah. like a sweet spot there. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. All right. And hey, thanks to all you listeners out there. As always, please make certain to like, subscribe, share, use the comment section below. Scream at us on Facebook and Twitter. That's at Screamatics, and I'm at Jinx1981. Until next time, folks, thanks so much and have a great weekend. Maybe let's just not talk for a while. All right. Fine by me. I cannot talk all day. All fucking day.